Amen. Thank you, musicians and workers. I really do appreciate your help. I want to uh, just add my welcome. Many of you are visiting for the first time, and uh, some of you responded because of the message that I'm about to preach. Thank you for coming to the Potter's House. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalm chapter 83. That's where we're going to read. This morning on October 7th, Hamas launched a terror attack against Israel. Uh, they came over the border in hang gliders, motorized hang gliders, motorcycles. Over 1,400 Israelis were killed. Uh, those are the ones that can be identified, plus they say there are hundreds more that still have yet to be identified. Israel right now is on the brink of war. But more importantly than their war is they're actually on the brink of prophetic fulfillment because a major end times war is spoken of, alluded to in the verses that we're going to read in Psalm chapter 83. And the Bible says this war is going to bring about God's will in the earth. So I want to preach a message I've entitled Israel on the brink. Let's read Psalm 83, starting at verse 1. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. Do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They've taken crafty counsel against your people, consulted together against your sheltered ones. They've said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they've consulted together with one assent, consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gibal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria has also joined with them, and they have helped the children of Lot. Selah, Israel on the brink. Let's begin. I want to talk about the history and the future of the land of Israel. God's plan in the earth involves the land of Israel. Genesis 17, verse 7 and 8, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting covenant possession, and I will be their God. The Bible uses two words. Number one, covenant, and secondly, the phrase everlasting possession. That means that God's plan for this land, later to be called Israel, it will never be rescinded. There are foolish Christians who say that God changed his mind and has given his plan to somebody else. That's nonsense. It's a covenant. It will never change. And it's an everlasting possession. Specifically, God's plan involves the city of Jerusalem. So God's covenant is with a people, a land, and a city, and that city is the city of Jerusalem. And this is God's plan. It is in that city God has planned from the beginning of time that the purposes of the earth will be centered upon that city. But what we hear from Arabs, from universities, from Muslims and the media 
is that the Jews are colonists, that the Jews have stolen the land of Israel from the Palestinians. Let's get some truth here for a moment. Let's get some facts. Number one, Jews were living in the land 2,100 years before anyone was ever called a Palestinian. Second truth, the Jews were living in this land 2,600 years before Islam was ever a religion. In the history of Israel, we understand from 586 uh, BC until 1948 in the last century, the Jews were dispersed from the land of Israel. This was by the judgment of God. Many empires, they possessed that land temporarily through the succeeding generations, but their possession was always in God's plans, always meant to be temporary. It was not meant to be permanent. The term Palestinian, we read a lot about this. Hamas, they are Palestinians. But where did that term come from? In AD 135, after a Jewish revolt, Roman Emperor Hadrian dispersed the Jews from Israel and he renamed this land a Latin term, Palestina. Literally what he did, he was angry at the Jews. He said, who are the worst enemies that Israel has ever had? They said the Philistines. So to dishonor the Jews in Latin, he called this land Palestina or Philistine. And he did this to dishonor the Jews. That's actually where the name Palestine comes from. Next truth is Arabs living in that land from that time were called Palestinians because of the land of Palestinian or land of Palestine. But Jews living in that land of Palestine were also called Palestinians. There are still Jews alive today that their birth certificate, where were you born? Palestine, but they're Jewish. So this is the history of Palestine. During World War I, in 1917, the British conquered, they took the land of Israel or Palestine away from the Ottoman Turks and in gratitude to a man named Chaim Wiseman, who helped them, he was a biochemist, who helped them in the war, Lord Balfour issued what was called the Balfour Declaration. Chaim Wiseman was a Jew, and so in gratitude, they made this proclamation, we would be pleased if the Jews would return to the land of Palestine so that they can have a homeland for the Jewish people. On May 14, 1948, the Jewish People's Council proclaimed the state of Israel, the nation of Israel, was born on May 14, 1948. So I'm giving you a bit of history. We're leading up. We're going to get to our verse and the modern day times in a moment. But I want you to understand this. Whatever God plans, always the devil opposes this is historical. We understand that Pharaoh tried to kill all the male children 
uh, uh, in order to stop the plan of God. You can take that photo away. Herod attacked all the children under two. And uh, he did this to try to stop the plan of God. We read in Revelation chapter 12 that the woman is giving birth to a baby. This is picturing the church and the purposes of God. And a dragon is waiting, trying to uh, destroy that child. So always the devil tries to stop God's will. 1948, Israel is birthed as a nation and the moment they become a nation, immediately the Arabs, the Arab nations attacked. Israel was literally birthed in war. The moment they became a nation, they had to fight the first war in 1948. Here's a photo of that. 1950, they lost that war. The Arabs lost. 1956, Egypt led another coalition and attack. They lost again. In 1967, they attacked again in trying to destroy them. 1973, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, is again, they've had to fight battle after battle. Those are actual wars. But since then, they've had to fight uh, the, the constant threat of terrorism. This is a, a tactic that the Muslim Arabs have uh, chosen to use. And in Israel, you see various things. This is a bombing. They set off bombs in Israel, and this was a regular occurrence until they built a wall. Then you see uh, other photos. Then the next photos here, shootings, bombings. They bomb buses anywhere there are people. And the point of this was to terrorize people into giving them their way. This brings us to Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Hamas is an acronym. It means Arabic Islamic Resistance Movement. 1988, Hamas was formed, and in their charter, their charter calls for the destruction of Israel and the establishment of an Islamic state in Israel's place. The Hamas Covenant, or their charter, 1988, the opening paragraph says, Israel will exist and continue to exist until Islam will obliterate it just as it obliterated others before it. So this is why Hamas was formed to get rid of Israel. 1991, they started suicide bombings, then kidnappings. That was another tactic they used. And then the nation of Iran has armed Hamas with rockets. This is what you saw the opening on October 7th was rockets fired by Hamas at Israel. And so this is always the plans of hell. The devil opposes God's plans. But God always makes plans. Listen, the devil plans to destroy, but God has made plans long before the devil ever planned. God is always headed someplace in his purposes with the nation of Israel. Think about three purposes God has before we get to the current battle that I'm going to talk about. Number one, God's purposes for Israel are for a much larger territory than they currently or have ever occupied. Genesis 15, 18, here is God. This is what he says the borders of Israel are su supposed to be. 
On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I've given this land from the river of Egypt, that's the Nile River, to the river Euphrates, that's in Iraq. God says the land you're supposed to have is much bigger than what they actually occupy right now. There's a, here's a map I want to show you. In red, God says ultimately that will be the borders of the nation of Israel. What you see there, they will ultimately occupy part of Egypt, part of Saudi Arabia. They're going to occupy, they're going to have Jordan, they're going to have Syria, they're going to have part of Iraq. All of these, those are the eventual borders. This becomes important. We'll talk about this later on. Number two, God will use the land of Israel to work his will in the earth. God is focused on it. Why should every nation in the world focus on this tiny little sliver of land? Because God works his will in the earth in the nation uh, of Israel. So, this is for Israel. Israel's battles and attacks, ultimately, the Bible says, during the great tribulation, those attacks will cause Israel to finally turn to Jesus Christ. That will happen because of the attacks in Israel. And then God will judge the nations of the earth in Israel. Every nation of the earth has a a destiny planned by God in the land of Israel. Number three, attacks by enemies of Israel actually further the purposes of God. 1967, Arab nations joined again, uh, joined again to attack Israel. This was the third time in the nation's, young nation's existence. Did it destroy Israel? No. In fact... Israel gained possession of Jerusalem because of the enemy's attacks. So it actually turned out good. 1973, nations surprised on a holy day called Yom Kippur. The Arab nations attacked again. Did they destroy? They came very close. Did they destroy it? No. In fact, what was the result of the war? Israel gained territory four times the size of their original borders. So it actually worked for good. Okay, now having given all of that background, now let's talk about three major battles to come. The Bible speaks about three major wars that are yet to come in the land of Israel. We're going to look at these. We're going to take from the last one to uh, current times. The last battle is going to be in a place called Armageddon. Many people are familiar with this term. The Antichrist will ultimately turn on Israel during the Great Tribulation and finally culminating at the end of a seven-year period, all of the nations of the earth will come to Israel to fight each other, Israel, but ultimately, the Bible says Jesus Christ is going to return with true believers and every nation will stupidly try to fight him, which how many of you know that's never a good plan? That's Armageddon. That's the final battle. Before that is the battle found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It is the battle of Gog and Magog. You find this, it, it is listed in Ezekiel 38 
and it lists, it is a Rush, Russian and Muslim coalition, the nation of Russia and numbers of Muslim nations will join together and attack Israel. The Bible says that is a major battle that is to come. These nations will be absolutely destroyed out of that battle. God himself will fight that battle on their behalf. So knowing that battle, what happens every time we read the news, the question that Christians ask, is this Ezekiel 38? What we are watching right now in Israel is not Ezekiel 38. How do I know? Because there, uh, we'll look at some reasons uh, uh, in a moment, but uh, just trust me for the moment until I get there. It's not uh, Ezekiel 38. The war before the Ezekiel 38 Magog War is what we're reading about in Psalm 83. Psalm 83 speaks about a war that is going to set the world up for Magog and Armageddon to come. So now let's get back to our verse now. Verse 4, it tells us what is the purpose of this battle. Verse 4, they said, come let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. So the purpose of this battle, these nations gathering is let's wipe out Israel so that it no longer exists as a nation. That's their purpose. Of course, they've had this purpose in other battles before. The method in trying to destroy the nation of Israel is a confederacy. Verse 5 through 8, they consulted together with one uh, uh, consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gibal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria has also joined with them and they have helped the children of Lot. The modern names of those ancient Bible names that I just read to you are Gaza, Lebanon, Jordan, Syria, Western Iraq, uh, and parts of uh, Egypt on the Sinai into Egypt. So what our text is describing is an inner ring. These are the closest enemies. These are enemies that are the closest to Israel. So of course they pose the greatest threat. They're an inner ring. We have a picture. So here is those ancient names interposed over the map so you can see Gibal, Tyre, Philistia. Philistia is uh, uh, Gaza, Gibal and Tyre, that's Lebanon. Assyria is Iraq. Ammon is Jordan. Uh, Moab is part of uh, Jordan. Ishmaelites, this is on into Edom and the Ishmaelites, on into uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, on and on. So I'm I'm showing you this. Do we have a uh, next picture? Is that part of it? Yes, okay. So here now are modern names Instead of those ancient Bible names, now you see these are the nations, they are the closest to the land of Israel, and that is Hamas, the Palestinians, uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. Those are described in Psalm 83 that they're going to join together to try to wipe Israel out. Hamas is in Gaza. This is insanity. These are 
hated enemies are actually located within the borders of Israel. That is where Hamas live. Hezbollah in Lebanon is where they are. And then the nation of Syria, all three of those are what we say proxies of Iran. Iran wants to wipe Israel out, but what they're doing is they're funding and arming Syria, Lebanon, Hezbollah in Lebanon, and Hamas in Gaza to get them to do this. We see some photos here. Hamas official claims Iran and Hezbollah didn't help plan the attack, but they may yet join the fight. That is, a, this is a plan. This is a, a confederacy, exactly as God said. Next photo, here's various missiles that you see there because the missiles that are being fired, they all come from Iran. Iran is the one who paid for them. Iran is the one shipping them uh, to them. And this is their purpose, more missiles. The reason why is Iran's ideology. What do they believe? What do they want? They want to wipe Israel off the map. We got a, uh, here's a quote. Top Iran general says, destroying Israel is an achievable goal. This is what they want. They've made no bones about this. Iran has said over and over again, we want to wipe Israel off the map. And so this is modern. That's not a, years ago. That, that was last week. This man said, we can do it now. We can wipe Israel off the map. And that is the ideology of Iran. Iran, they are Shiite Muslims. And in their brand of Islam, they are apocalyptic how do they view the world? They are looking for a Messiah. They call him the third Mahdi. And this is uh, something in there. The Mahdi is what they believe is going to be a world Muslim ruler. And in their minds, they are apocalyptic. How is this guy going to take over? Not by politics. He's going to take over by chaos. Normal people, remember the Cold War, the Russians, they had nuclear weapons, we had nuclear weapons, it was mutually assured destruction. Don't launch your weapons because we'll wipe you out and Russia didn't want to be wiped out. So that, that kept it. Iran doesn't think like that. Iran, do you understand that you'll burn the whole world up? They say, excellent. Because they think that is, it is out of fire and chaos that the Mahdi will take over. So this is why they're pushing for this war because they think a worldwide war would be tremendous because it will bring about the Mahdi and his rulership over the whole world. Okay, back to my statement. The current battle that we see in going on right now in Gaza is not Ezekiel 38. Here is why we know. Number one, there are missing nations. Ezekiel 38, 1 through 7, tells us who are those who are going to attack Israel. They're not the inner ring nations, they're outer ring. So it's Russia leading a Muslim coalition of, uh, and it lists them, Iran, Turkey, Ethiopia, Libya, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, Yemen, and then Kazakhstan, the other stands that are Muslim and aligned with Russia. So 
Who's missing? Who's missing is the inner ring that we just read in Psalm. You can't tell me that there would be a massive attack to wipe Israel out and those who hate and live the closest, they're not going to help. Why are they not listed? The reason why we're going to see is because they're gone. Okay, so the battle we're seeing right now is not Ezekiel 38, nor is it going to turn into Ezekiel 38 in the coming weeks and months. It is not Ezekiel 38. The second reason why we know it is not Ezekiel 38 is it has a missing requirement, and that is security. Ezekiel 38, verse 8, it says very clearly, why will Russia want to come? One of the reasons why it is a land of unwalled villages, they are living securely. Is there anybody that you think the land of Israel right now is secure? Right? They just had 1,400 people plus wiped out, plus hundreds kidnapped, and they're being uh, rocketed from the air. I understand they have Iron Dome that's helping and blah, blah. Yeah, that's great. But the Bible says one of the attractions for Russia and the Muslim nations is they're living without security. So clearly, that cannot be describing what's happening right now. So Psalm 83 is describing the inner ring of enemies who will come to try to wipe out Israel before the Magog War of Ezekiel 38. So think about the scenario and the results of this war described in Psalm 83. Number one, Hamas will be destroyed completely. Benjamin Netanyahu, the president of Israel, has said this is their goal. I don't care how many people protest and want a ceasefire. It's not going to happen. He says we are going to kill every single one of them. There will be no more Hamas left after this. But it is likely before Israel gets to do that, other nations are going to join helping Hamas, but actually to try and destroy, they probably are going to see an opportunity that now when they're distracted by other things, we can attack and remove Israel. Verse 4, let's cut them off from being a nation. So result number one, Hamas is going to be destroyed completely. Result number two, Hezbollah. These are now the terrorist organization who reside and control Lebanon. The Bible says they will be destroyed completely. In fact, they actually control the whole nation. The entire nation of Lebanon is actually going to be conquered and, and uh, destroyed by Israel. Number three, the Bible says the nation of Jordan will be destroyed and occupied by Israel. Zephaniah 2.9, as surely as I live, Moab will be destroyed like uh, Sodom. Ammon will be destroyed like Gomorrah. There'll be a heap of weeds, a pit of salt, ruined forever. Those of my people who are left alive will take whatever they want from them. Those who are left from my nation will take their land. Okay, there are people who say, but Jordan has a peace treaty with Israel. Listen, in, in Muslim Arabs, peace treaties are, they are something you use for the moment. They're not something you honor. Okay, and what... Jordan has actually gotten into four wars because they desperately want to be viewed as a world power. 
uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, you know, the Golden Dome in Jerusalem, that was built by King Hussein of Jordan, who fancies himself, he wants to be seen as the leader of the Muslim world. He doesn't want Iran to be the leader. So it is likely he's, they've done it before. They've been pulled into war because they want to be powerful. And the Bible says the result is Jordan will be destroyed. Syria, the nation of Syria is going to be destroyed. Isaiah 17, 1, the burden against Damascus. Behold, Damascus will cease from being a city. It will be a ruinous heap. We have a picture of Damascus. It is the oldest continuously inhabited city uh, uh, in, the, in the world. It is a city of five million people. Some people say that prophecy was already fulfilled. It can't be because Damascus still exists. God says it will stop. It will not even be a city. It's going to be a ruin. That's probably describing nuclear destruction, which Israel does have nuclear. Syria is where missiles are being transferred to from Iran. They send them to Iran. Uh, uh, from Iran to Syria, from Syria on in. Also, chemical weapons, biological weapons have been shipped there. It would not be inconceivable that if Iran had a nuclear weapon and they didn't have accurate missile technology, they could ship it to Syria, which is just across the border. But for whatever reason, God says the entire nation of Syria is going to be destroyed. And that city will not exist anymore, Isaiah 17, 1. Part of Iraq is going to be attacked. It'll be conquered. It will be occupied by Israel, not the entire nation. The ancient name for Iraq is Assyria, not Syria, but Assyria. And the Bible says part of it will be attacked and, and conquered. Part of Egypt will be attacked and conquered. Isaiah 19 says a very interesting prophecy. It says five cities of Egypt will be Hebrew speaking. Why would they speak Hebrew in Egypt? Because God said their original border will go all the way to the Nile River. They're going to conquer. Egypt is going to participate in this war. And as a result, Israel is going to take land all the way to the Nile River. And then finally, Iran will be militarily neutralized. This will only be temporary. They're not going to completely destroy Iran or conquer Iran, but they're going to be neutralized temporarily. Right now, they say most of their nuclear technology is located in a place called Bashir. Uh, you can only speculate that Israel will drop a nuclear weapon or in some way will completely destroy them if their proxies are wiped out in Lebanon, in uh, Gaza, in Syria, then for a time this will give Israel peace and safety. So let's talk about the likely trigger of the Psalm 83 war. October 7, just a few weeks ago, 2023, 1,500 Hamas terrorists attacked Israel, killing people, butchering, and I won't even describe any of the things that they did, kidnapping, they still hold more than 200 people. We have some photos. These are photos of the attack. And then, of course, it was at the same time uh, rocket attacks that continue unto this day. 
This was actually a plan. There were other nations supposed, uh, supposed to join in. Uh, Mir Safadi, who has inside information on a lot of things, says that they jumped the gun because they wanted the glory. They thought they could pull it off by themselves. They wanted to say we were first. They thought everybody else would join immediately, and that hasn't happened so far. But they are appealing to the Muslim world, come and join us, help us in this fight. There's the, the results. You see the, the numbers of dead and killed and whatever. Former Hamas chief calls for protests, and he calls for neighbors to join the war against Israel. So what has happened, if you were paying attention to the news, you knew that left-wing Jews in Israel, they, were, they had been trying to change the laws and trying to protest because what they were saying is, if we just talked reasonably to these people, we, we could probably make a deal. This battle, starting October 7, has shown that's not going to happen. So this is completely changed. Israel now sees you cannot allow the proxies of Gaza, Hezbollah, and Syria to be on your border and continually threatening them. So now they say they have to be totally destroyed. Uh, next photo here is they declare war. Israel declares war. Benjamin Netanyahu is not calling this a raid or a skirmish. He says we are at war. They have a war cabinet right now. We are at war and we will destroy Hamas first, Hezbollah. They've been trying to keep Hezbollah out in the mean. Hezbollah are going to attack. They've already started attacks in in Lebanon against that. We have some photos here of their artillery firing. This is firing against uh, uh, Lebanon. And then you have the bombings that are going on in Gaza every day. They are targeting everywhere a Hamas militant or a Hamas leader lives. They wipe out their apartment building or wherever they are uh, have been staying. It is very likely, according to God's word, other nations are going to join with Hamas. That's what Psalm 83 is describing, and it's possible that Israel may have to extend this battle all the way into Iran, as I said, to neutralize them. So that will be the probable start and uh, way the war is going to work out. Think about the results when this war is over, the Psalm 83 is finished, what will be the results? Number one, the inner ring of enemies will be defeated. This now will give Israel security. As I said, it's insane right now. Gaza is within their borders. I imagine this. This would be like us. We're living here and the people living in Pinion Oaks over the highway, they're trying to kill us. And we just leave them there. That, that's insane. But what's going to happen, all of the inner ring, everybody in the immediate vicinity, they will all be defeated, which now Ezekiel 38 says Russia will see they're living in security. We're now safe because we wiped them all out. Number two, Israel is going to gain enough territory to resettle the Palestinians in their own territory. 
How did the Palestinians get here? Because Jordan didn't want them. They were in Jordan, they were in Egypt. Jordan and Egypt said, these people are crazy. If they're in our land, they'll be trying to kill us. So they pushed them out of their nation. That's why they're in Israel. And Israel is saying, we can't have these people here who want to kill us. Let's go back to the borders now. The eventual borders, Israel will have enough land. They can pick any of those. They can pick Syria. They can pick part of Iraq. They can pick part of Egypt. They can say, you want your own land? Good, we'll give you your own land far away. But you can't be here threatening to kill us. This will give them security. The third result of the Psalm 83 war is Israel will gain enormous wealth. Jordan has gas fields. Egypt, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and Iran, they have oil fields. And Israel is suddenly going to possess all of it in addition to their own vast natural gas resources that they have right now. Ezekiel 38, 13 gives the second motivation. Why is Russia and the Muslim coalition going to attack Israel in Ezekiel 38? Plunder. Ezekiel 38, 13 could be translated as, have you, Russia, come to plunder the great spoil of the despoilers? That's the literal translation so in other words, Israel is going to spoil all of those nations when they suddenly defeat them. They will own everything they owned previously. They will have the oil wells, the gas wells. Russia will say, there is a lot of wealth. Russia wants to be the world oil power. For money and for power, they're going to want this. That is one of the things that will set up the next war, Ezekiel 38. The fourth thing is that this simply sets up the next phase of the fulfillment of prophecy. Ezekiel 38, 11 sees a land without walls, living securely, uh, securely. Verse 13, great plunder, gas and oil. They're then going to attack. Russia will attack with a Muslim coalition. Turkey, Iran, Ethiopia, Sudan, Yemen, Libya, Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, plus the various stands, Kazakhstan and the other Muslim stands in, in uh, uh, that part of the world. But the Bible says, in this battle, Israel won't have to fight. God's going to fight. And he will supernaturally wipe them out, earthquakes and hail and disease. He's going to wipe them out on the battlefield and even back in their home nations. What is going to happen is that Islam will cease to be a problem in the world. From that time, because the Bible says Europe is where the Antichrist is going to come from. Europe is where strength and power is going to exist in the world. That will happen because Russia and the Muslim nations are gone uh, from the equation. So this, what I've just described to you, follows the Bible pattern. You see God do this again and again. When enemies would join together against Israel, it didn't destroy them. It actually sped up the process of victory for God's people. You see it in Joshua 10, 5 Kings. 
banded together to try to wipe out the Israelites and instead it just simply hurried up the process of Israel possessing. You find that in Genesis 14. Abraham gains uh, wealth and uh, gains uh, uh, revelation of God rather in, uh, when they defeat the five kings. Final thought, let's talk about responding to the Psalm 83 war. When we say the word prophecy, prophecy is to foretell. It's actually history written in advance before it ever happened. God wants the future to be seen. It's not easy. That's why, like, is this it? Maybe it could be. It's not meant to be easy, but it is meant to be seen and known. Jesus connects prophecy and the end of the world to what he calls signs. Events become visible signposts to the world. Matthew 24, 33, so you also, when you see all these things, you know that it is near even at the doors. The signs of the end of time, the coming judgment, the return of Jesus Christ, God says he lets events play out so everyone can see it. Second thing is that prophecy stirs God's people. Prophecy is motivation for believers. You cannot live like you're going to be here forever. You're not. I'm not going to be here forever. Time is not just going to keep going on like it always has been. This gives us motivation for purity. 1 John 3, 3, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure, just as he is pure. If, if time is drawing close to the end, this is a really bad time to be involved in sin. That's what that scripture says. Purify yourself. It gives motivation for evangelism. There is limited time to witness to loved ones, to people you work with, people you care about. You're not going to have forever to be able to tell them. This motivates believers. We need to tell as many people as we can as quickly as we can. And God wants this war to play out publicly. This war, I believe, will not be after the rapture. It'll be before. Why? Because God wants the world to see it. Some of you have had workers. You've been they've been talking about what's going on in Israel right now. This is, I believe God is going to use this to spark revival. It's going to cause backsliders to want to get right with God. That's my prayer. It's going to cause sinners to become open to the gospel. This is God's purpose in letting it play out. Prophecy gives hope to believers. I know there are Christians and they read, they go, oh, this is all scary. It shouldn't be scary at all. You know what? This, if you can look at something written thousands of years ago and say, that's today, that shows you God is in charge. I'm not scared of what's happening. All that tells me, no matter what happens, God's in charge. He's always going to win because he's smarter than the devil. Always, at all times, this is what we understand. That means whatever you're going through right now, you're worried about your family, you're worried about your finances, you're worried about health or whatever. Listen, God is in control. How do I know? Because I can read ancient prophecy and see that God tells the future in advance. Our ultimate hope is what we call the rapture 
of the saints, which means the instant removal of every true believer on earth. The Bible says the entire world is facing judgment. A seven-year period, we call it the tribulation or the great tribulation, seven years of indescribable death and suffering on the earth as a judgment for sin. But the Bible says before God judges the world, he removes his people first. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. Latin, repeal, that's where we get rapture from. To be together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Our hope is in the rapture. And that is what we have there next to uh, a photo there. I am not looking for judgment. There are people there saving up freeze-dried food. I'm not going to be here. Don't care. I'm not storing up ammunition to fight the Antichrist. I'm not going to be here. You fight him, I'll be gone. Okay? Very simple. My hope is in the rapture, the Lord Jesus Christ, Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why there are people, they come. You want If we take this world leader, Obama or Biden or anybody you don't like as a politician and divide their name by barometric pressure and the name of your dog and yeah, look there, there it is. He's the Antichrist. I don't care who the Antichrist, I'm not going to be here. My hope, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the blessed hope, which is the rapture of the saints, thank God. I close, I close with this. Israel has been warning the residents of Gaza about the upcoming attacks. First thing, they said, all of you in the north, you better flee to the south. That was the first warning. But it's very interesting, one of the things they do, as I said, when they identify an apartment or a building where Hamas has, is either doing business or a militant is living, they will destroy it. But what they do is they give a warning. I want you to see this. This is a news headline. Owner of Gaza apartment building was warned by the Israeli military to evacuate before the airstrike. Israel has everybody's phone number. Okay, so this guy, he owns an apartment building. He got a call. This is the idea. Israel Defense Force, we are going to destroy your apartment block. If you want to live, get out. Next photo. Israel does what they say. That is the apartment block after. So it's very simple. You get a warning. If you want to live, listen to it. You want to die? Feel free to stay. That is actually what God does in prophecy. God writes history in advance. He lets you see what's going to happen. How could God know all those years ago that the nations we read about in Psalm 83 would be the ones living closest to Israel because he knows everything. Why did he write it? Because he's writing, saying to everyone who is not right with God, you better get right with God. Do it now 
because destruction is coming. If you listen, you can be saved. If you don't listen, you will be destroyed. And that is the option that God gives to every single person on the earth. And history has shown this again and again, and now history that was written in advance, thousands of years ago, God in love is giving. There are people here this morning, there are people watching online, you are not right with God. And God is giving you warning now. You better listen. You better fix your sin problem. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. Thank God. With heads bowed, with eyes closed. I now give a simple challenge. There are people that are here. You are not right with God. You are the one that God is warning the most. If you would be honest for a moment, some of you, the way you're living right now, God is not impressed. You are breaking God's commands. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. doesn't matter what your family, how nice they think you are. The only person whose opinion matters is God's. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it also goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. What you will be paid for continuing to live in sin is judgment, the death of judgment the death of eternal torment in hell. But listen, why did I preach this message? To give you hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. So he made a way for us to be saved from our sin. You can be forgiven. You don't have to be judged. Why? Because Jesus has already been judged for you. He died on the cross to pay for your sin. And I'm giving a challenge right now. There are people, if that great event called the rapture was to happen today, there are people you'd be in deep trouble because you then would be facing the judgment of God. So God has given you a warning this morning so you can turn from your sin. And I'm challenging there are people here right now, if you're not right with God, what do you need to do? You need to pray with an honest heart and turn from your sin. How many people here, you'd say, Pastor Greg, I want to be honest. I'm not right with God and I want to get right. How do you do that? You pray and say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And I want to live a new life. If you'll give me the power, God will help you. He'll forgive you and give you the power to live a new life. How many here, not right with God, you want to pray this morning, I want you to do one thing, lift up your hand. Everybody else has their head bowed. You lift your hand and say, Pastor Greg, I need Jesus. Here's my hand, I'm not right with God. Thank you, I see that hand. God bless you. How many others? Lift up your hand, join this one. I'm not right with God, I need to get saved all across this place. Hold your hand up so I can see it. God's dealing with people. You want to get right with God, you want to pray. Thank God. There are others. You need Jesus. Lift your hand right now. Some of you are backslidden. What a, what a fearful thing it would be to be a backslider. And, then the and to know after the rapture that you're facing judgment. Why don't you fix your sin problem, backslider? God has not given up on you. That's why he wanted you to be here this morning. To have a chance to be saved. Others, backslider, lift up your hand right now. Thank God. Lift up your hand. God's dealing with people. You need Jesus. Others, 
You want to get right with God. You're not saved. You want to get saved. Lift your hand right now. God loves you. He wants to help you all across this place. There are others. You need Jesus. God wants to save you. He wants to do a miracle in your heart. Some of you right now, there's a battle going on. You're going, yeah, but what about my friends? And then I don't know if I can and if I'm strong enough. Listen, get right. You've heard the warning. The only thing to do is to believe God and say, God, I'll act on what you said. Doesn't matter what I understand. It's what you said. Others, I'm going to ask one more time. Now's your chance. Lift up your hand. God's dealing with people. Anybody else, you want to be saved. You want to get right with God. Lift up your hand right now as God would deal with you. Thank God. If you lifted your hand, look up at me. Amen. You, you lifted your hand before. Look at me. You want to get right with God? Yes? Come here. Come here. Come out of your seat. I want to have someone pray with you. God bless you. Thank God. There are others. I want believers. You see somebody, if they might not know Jesus, I want you right now. Deal with them. Turn to them. Give them courage. Help them to pray. Thank God. There are people that are responding. Others, you need Jesus. You give people encouragement. Let's stand up to our feet. I'm going to open the altars. Please deal with those that are around you. But there are believers God has impressed upon you. Some of you are playing games with God. It's time to get serious. Others, you have loved ones. You need to come before God and say, God, I'm crying out, save them. That's what I want you to do. The altars are open. Our brother's going to sing while people are coming. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Blind, 
but now I see. And let's praise God together right now. Father God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. We are grateful. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank God for his goodness. Amen. If you're a believer, you need to find somebody right now. There are people, their hearts are being opened because of what they're able to see on the news. You tell them what's going on what's going to happen and challenge them about their soul. Let's believe God. He's going to give us a mighty harvest of souls. Thank God we're going to be dismissed. And uh, tonight our service.